Welcome in to a new episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. Uh, we're not live this week because we don't have any uh, crazy events to react to in real time this week. So it's just our our usual show, our usual group all together this evening. And I, we might as well get right to them because I know there's a... There's probably a, a very loud introduction on the way here. First, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey you can find on Twitter at Jehovah's Witness, Shepard Price. Finland was robbed, and while Sweden was good, Finland was better. And also, Sweden, <laughs> uh, the Sweden, this, Sweden's entry had already won 11 years ago, and so shouldn't like if you won, you shouldn't be able to come back. I'm and I genuinely, don't think I, I I'm don't say, think that who was, knows what I, Shane's talking about. I, the people, the people who know, know. I'm, no, I'm, I, I know exactly. I guarantee, okay. I guarantee that that is not the introduction you thought I was going with. No, absolutely not. Uh, but uh, impressive nonetheless. I, I didn't. I was not aware. I, I caught the very end of the of uh, Eurovision, whatever day it was. Was not aware that that was the final, though. I thought there was yeah. more coming. No, 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 it's the day, it's the weeks, it's the, it's the week prior. So it, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay. Well, um, and, and cha, 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 should have fucking won. Cha, 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 cha. Yes. So which, which country was that one from? Finland. Okay. It's, but it, yeah, cause I, and you said it was a ripoff or, or not, not, maybe not a ripoff, but it was a. Robbed. He was robbed. Okay. Well, he uh, like it, he, he had a almost record number. I think he had a record number of. Uh, televotes. So it's like, okay, well, then that they're clearly telling you something. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm glad we got the airing of grievances out of the way early. Um. So before I bring in the next member uh, of the the panel here, I'm I'm very upset to report that I I was informed by friend of the show Jimmy that I I doubled up on my band references last week which I'm very, very disappointed in myself, but uh, he is on Twitter at mill 182 and he is the second city hockey. What Isaac Brock is to modest mouse. It's mill Savage. Didn't you use Blake last week? Uh, you know what? It was two weeks ago and he was, or it was several weeks ago and he, mm. they, uh, Jimmy was catching up on the show and texted me that I can't believe you doubled up on Tokyo police club. That is a weird one to double up on. Yes, it I, is. Yeah, it's just because they have one song that came across by Spotify that I really liked, and it like came back into the algorithm, so it was fresh in my mind. But I forgot I had used that one before. So uh, I forgot you did too. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. like kind of an off the wall one for for the stuff that I like. Right. Yeah, it's not. They're not really even in my typical musical ballpark. But right. Yeah. Fucked fucked up the whole game. But oh, I had well. a. I had a good run. I mean, we this is uh, going to be episode like 120 something and we started at like 40, so uh we had a good run. But I, I mean gonna, the the shtick absolutely has to continue though. You just have to find more bands to listen yeah. to. They exist. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh just Do you want me to, do you want, do you want me to I think we have such a contrast in music taste. Do you want me to just start send you like a, a Spotify playlist? I mean, we, uh, I'll I'll have my people get in touch with your people. We'll see. But but I I actually I was really worried I'd already done the modest mouse one before but uh, I'm 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 looking at the document after the fact we did not so so we're good we're good for this week I hope uh, unless I'm missing something and we'll figure it out next week uh, I mean look I don't keep track I trust Jimmy for that thank you Jimmy also like <laughs> shout out to like listening to like back episodes that you haven't heard yet that's commitment yeah we we appreciate the support um 
Also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bullen Wall of Text. It's Betsy. I was going to say, um, I know everybody cares, but my update on Seasons of Survivor, I'm up to <laughs> seven <laughs> on the seventh season, finally. Cook Islands. On so. se- and there's like 20 of them? There, there's yes. a lot. They're on like 44. <laughs> okay. All right. I understand. <laughs> They've been going since like 2000, like... The pre 9-11 haircuts are like super obvious, <laughs> like during that era. But I was like, oh, I forgot how old the show was. I remember watching it in college and getting at uh, me and a buddy were asked to leave because we were making too many jokes and we were angering the people who were really, really into Survivor. Oh, yeah. It was like the first season alone got ridiculous ratings for even that time. Um but I started watching, I was watching the later episodes. For those that don't know, I'm the only, I watched the challenge and that they started bringing on survivors. And I had no idea who the fuck was on. <laughs> like the world champion, I didn't know who those were. So I just started backtracking. I was like, okay, now I've got to go all the way to survivor. I refuse to watch Big Brother though. So I'm just going to root against those people on the challenge. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> any any of the basic cable reality competition shows I never got into. Like I, I think we've had discussions before about the real world road rules challenges, which were the shit when I was uh in, in the two thousands. I was all about those shows. But uh basic cable ones, nah. Not CBS. I mean, they still they still have MTV people um on the challenge. Uh there's I think a- Leo Rush did the challenge. Huh? If you're if you're a wrestling person, I believe Leo Rush did. That's because Leo Rush. That's because Leo Rush doesn't welcome to any wrestling promotion anymore. I don't think. <laughs> I, so. I, don't, I don't know who that is, so I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. If, he, if if that was if they were on there, then I don't remember it. Um, so he was on a recent season, I think. Was he on one of the spinoffs, like USA or something? Because I haven't watched USA yet. Um, and USA, so for like those that don't know, there's like the main show, and then. CBS took over like Viacom and stuff like that. So that's why they started putting Survivor and Big Brother and a bunch of those other ones on there. And now they have like a million spinoffs. They have All Stars, which is like old school. Like, Dave, you might like that. It's like old. <laughs> oh, I might like this. It's old. You might like this. It's old. <laughs> for those who don't like, wow. it's like older. Wow. It's like the older wow. cast members for the first couple you. of seasons. And then like the last season, I think. Was well, it. There's, there's like a handful of famous people who got got their notoriety from like the real world road challenges. Like the, obviously the Miz is the big one for this group yeah. with, uh, um, but there's, um, there's a couple actors slash actresses. I think a few musicians that all got started because of MTV real world and or road rules or, Some, or the there's a dude that's a big politician, um, who's Sean something from way back when, um, I didn't know. I didn't know there was a politician from the group. That's a, there's, there's that's a, an interesting character arc. Okay, that's fair. Um, one of the survivor, one of the survivor guys from the season Millennials versus Gen X. Um, he went on to be a politician too, and I was like, "How the hell?" He won, and I was like, "How the hell is he a little politician?" But that season was so long ago. <laughs> so so long ago when Millennials were like in their like early twenties, mid twenties, oh, people were yeah. like, "Look at these people." God, you're right. young and cute. This this is gonna back when we were Gen Z. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, all right, this this conversation is gonna go anywhere. <laughs> fun. So so instead, we could talk about playoff hockey. Yeah. Which I I get. Well, all right. I guess I guess Shay, if you want to, 
you want you want to take your victory lap or what, whatever you want to do since your Golden Knights uh, decided that, or to realize, hey, there's a really shitty goalie at the other end of the ice. We should just keep shooting at him. <clears throat> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get off my takes now. Connor McDavid is a bad player at five on five, and the, uh, after oh, we shut down Leon, Leon, and after we shut down Leon Drysidle, it was over uh, <laughs> because he's the actually scary one, and he stopped being scary after game two. So. Okay. Uh, that's that's the that's my take is that the Edmonton is actually really bad and starts with Connor McDavid on, on five on five, which is why if you if we stayed off the power play or the, off the penalty kill, if we just stayed off the penalty kill, which we did in the last two games, we won because we're the better team at five on five. Well, being a better team than Edmonton on five and five hasn't been that difficult historically. Although Edmonton was better at five on five this year, they just still they don't have a defense and they don't have a goalie and they keep running back the same top two guys with. Not much else behind them, and like the only thing they, I feel like they've added is a Vander Kane a couple a uh, couple years ago. And like, yeah, like, I wonder. I, I wonder who said that going into the series that they don't have a defense and that they their goaltending their goaltending was not good enough. I wonder who said wasn't that. Edmonton like better statistically five on five in the entire like series? I feel like I don't think so. They, like if they, they Edmonton, on, it, it, Edmonton they, had I, they owned fifty five percent of the shot that. attempt shares, fifty four percent of the expected goal shares, fifty six percent of the scoring chances. I mean, okay, but again, score if you score adjust. I, I feel Edmonton, like I, I, they did score adjusted. But the entire they, point of the series was that Edmonton's yeah. goalies were terrible. Look at it by game though, because um, it could have been that could have been all at the very beginning of the. Um, we have bad we have bad first periods i think every game and then there's only one game that uh edmonton did poorly in and that was game two five on five and and then in game game, and then game three they did have the lower expected goal share but like the most of their stuff is pretty even expected goal share and then edmonton is better Shot attempt share. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Everything that I, all the talking heads, and I, like Mike Kelly was talking about this, was like Edmonton was a slightly better five on five team. But I think they were saying that, like, defensively, if you like took out the, um, if you like took the, instead of doing it split, it was Edmonton led a little bit better offensively while Vegas was better defensively. So, like, even though they were, much closer than they like should have been. And Ed- Edmonton ended up having a slight edge. It doesn't really matter because defense eventually wins and goaltending was just really shitty for Edmonton. I mean, the, the yes. Stuart Skinner's save percentage in the series was eight seventy five. That's not going to do it. Not going to no. do it. <laughs> and somehow without our starting goaltender, who's been hurt for a while, yeah. uh, who, who should have been the Calder finalist. Um, we we and we we counted on Aiden Hill and he fuck after the first period he fucking delivered last yeah night. I but I I gotta tell you I mean I like we'll see what happens with Seattle and Dallas who are playing right now as we're talking but just the um having those two that being your goalie platoon heading into a conference final I would be terrified I think I'm hoping I, I swear to God he better I think Logan Thompson comes back for round three and four yeah we'll see it'll be I say it'll be really interesting either one of Dallas or Seattle go through because they're so dramatically different from Edmonton. Edmonton is super top heavy and Seattle has like 
no real stars other than uh, their kid that's coming up, and Maddie, they Maddie are Beneers. completely by committee. Mm-hmm. And Dallas has they they roll four lines. They are like they skew their talent is more in the top, but more top. But they're yeah, not. They don't have not like Edmonton yeah. where. Yeah. They also have the reincarnation of Patrick Wassum, Knights and Nut. <laughs> oh man, yeah. and, and and I I think the best defenseman out of the two teams. Oh, yeah. out of Seattle, yeah, you, out of when, Seattle and Dallas. When, uh, are, are you probably talking about Taylor? Because I was about to reference. No, no, no. Uh, out, out of Seattle and Dallas, I think Dallas is the best defense. Okay, has the okay. best defense one. Yeah, because uh, uh, I I still am stunned that Petrangelo got off with a one game suspension for that just Billy Club two handed slash. That was that was fucking horrible. Yeah, I I like that's like I I he, he I think he got lucky because a he doesn't have a history. B dry saddle wasn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, and and I hate I like it happens in every sport, but I hate that the that that is a factor that yeah. the player didn't get hurt. Like that because you weren't good enough at being an asshole, you don't you're not going to get as much of a suspension. That doesn't seem like a good strategy for uh, player discipline to me. Um, the uh, uh obviously I don't want to talk too much more about players because we do have some Blackhawk stuff to get to, but I'm watching the Florida Panthers and I mm. feel like they are the Los Angeles Kings from like uh, the first 24. This that, year is just like 2014. Well, I was going to say they're like, but I was thinking the 2012 Kings that, no, but it's like the Stanley cup final is the conference final. It feels yeah. like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It just feels like that. What's well, more that like Florida like squeaked into the playoffs as the eight seed, which by the way, you're welcome Florida. Cause if Hawks hadn't beaten Pittsburgh, Florida may not even be in the playoffs, but like the Kings in the 11, 12 season underperformed badly during the regular season, fired the coach, hired Daryl Sutter, finished with 95 points, got the eight seed and then caught fire in the, in the playoffs and won the cup. And it seemed like Florida was a similar <clears throat> thing. Like they won the president trophy last season, underperformed dreadfully in the regular season. And now all of a sudden they're good again. I mean, two differences to me. One LA never, like they went up three and Oh, in every single series in 2012, didn't they? Like, didn't they like dominate? Like, yeah, yeah, they, they just, yeah. Cause Jonathan quick had like a 1.8 goals against yeah. that postseason. And then two, LA underperformed, but they were like a dominant possession team. Like, like they were one of those teams in that era in 2012 where people were like, why are they doing so badly in the regular season? Their stats are amazing. And then the minute they got into series where they could like flex that, it just was over for everybody else. Florida is fine, but (laughs) they did not flex against Boston. They had, they got lucky in game five. And it didn't get shut down there. And then Boston had too many injuries. Right. I don't know. Boston um, be having the best season of all time and then losing. That's a flex to me. You know, I, I mean, they- I I mean that's be- I mean, I think we all cheered it. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. We were all very excited about they it. They could have pulled down their pants and took a dump at the red line. That would have well, been I'll, more. I'll happy. say that I'm not like super impressed by them beating the Leafs. Like it's the same way, like Vegas beating, <laughs> Vegas beating the Jets isn't impressive because the Jets aren't an impressive team. And I don't think the Leafs are, I think that they, they just, they don't know how to handle <laughs> anything. Like, yeah. They didn't, they passes. didn't know how to handle the fact that they won the first year. The yeah, first I mean, I, good on them for getting past a depleted and probably very tired. Um, I, the, the lightning team kind of made me feel like the 2016 Blackhawks. Um, yeah. That team was very good. 
and they just got tired. Just yeah, ran out. Of I went to two games of that really series tired. against the Blues, and you could see it like in person. You could and, just see like guys were losing stuff. And then Elliot just happened to be for some reason good yeah. suddenly. Um, uh, why Brian, Brian Elliott decided to be good for one. Toronto's lucky they didn't get swept in the second round. Yeah, exactly. They were like, so um, that's the, that Tampa team felt like that to me. Like, good team, not as good as some of their other cup-winning teams, obviously, and then just uh, super tired looking. Yeah. Um, and Tampa or uh, Toronto barely beat them. So I'm not, like, super impressed by that. I'm impressed by uh, Officer Bob. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he looks like his old self, doesn't he? Uh-huh. The, the playoffs. This I, I feel like the playoffs are kind of weird oh. this year. Like I don't. Is there a single team? Like I don't think there's any team that's like the clear cut number one favorite. Uh, and even like I, I guess Boston was, but I, I think the thing we learned with Boston is just that having having so many of your top players be in their 30s and some of them like mid late 30s. Like it's a young man's game now, and what? having that many players be that old might be a problem. Why did they play them? so hard down the end of the season to try to make that historic run. Like that was such yeah. a fucking the president's thing. trophy was so fucking important to them. <laughs> I guess. They so were of the four teams ahead of everybody. Remaining, of the four teams remaining, Carolina had the best regular season. Oh, by no, the way, like, Carolina's getting table back. Yeah. I love Carolina has the most unassuming playoffs so far. Like I feel like nobody's talking about them. Oh, cause that I series think, is going to be awesome. Yeah. Carolina floor is going to be really good. I, I think they're just kind of, I, I feel like there hasn't been as much drama in those series. Cause I think in, mainly in the East, obviously Boston and Toronto suck up. So and Tampa, they, those three teams took up so much of the oxygen that people forgot Carolina existed. Plus like, uh, did they sweep in the second round or was it just five? Like, I feel like I haven't seen Carolina. Five, five. It feels like it's been two weeks since I've seen them on TV and it hasn't yeah, been and that then long, they, but they played the, Islanders, which is also not like a, a team, no gives a, shit, yeah. a team no one cares about. Yeah, yeah, not a super <laughs> impressive win um, either. You know, and a really boring team too. Yeah, and the Devils are just too young. Yeah, the, I, I thought I thought the Devils might have like a uh, 2009 Hawks run in them that they just yeah. like it all comes together and they run hey, to the conference final. But beating uh, the Rangers, they're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, but that Rangers team was just overrated. That's why I wanted them to lose those because I was sick of hearing about them. Like they're not that good. Yeah, yep. they have a lot of names, you know. Yeah, speaking of having, uh, one of speaking them of having old Patrick players, Kane. I was going to say, speaking of having old players on your team, uh, yeah, but I mean, Patrick am I supposed Kane to root was, for them because the Cade's on the team? Yeah, and he was yeah. obviously injured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was, uh, I. I, I actually like I I was more I wanted to see Panarin have a deep run because he hasn't uh, really had one in his I career. don't particularly care for either of them to do good like one way or the <laughs> other like who yeah. gives a shit yeah. I like Mika Zibanejad I guess I don't know easy for you to I say. actually yeah. was rooting more for Tarasenko than uh, I no. was well but that's because he's right. so fun to watch that, that's yeah, they, hey, just, I'm happy he's away from St Louis exactly yeah. yeah I was gonna say the same thing I I felt like I could probably watch him without. Uh, instant hate and also dread that he was about to score. Uh, Cause that every time the Hawks and blues played, like that was the one guy I was always I feel like, I've seen him score in person like a hundred times. Yeah. The, when we talk about the, like our next couple of topics, the Rangers are the example of um, don't jump the shark too soon in your rebuild. Mm. <laughs> if that's a good segue for you. <laughs> also, does Lafreniere suck? Uh, both him and Kako suck, I think. I think they suck too. Is that is there like I don't think either one of them seems to be that good. Like I, I, it's like the principle of if you're going 
You should have seen it by now if there's there were going to be something. There's a reason that everybody keeps saying the top like four or five in this upcoming draft could have been the first in so many of the recent drafts, like one or two in most of the recent drafts. Because they were. That's all I remember about Lafreniere is like he's number one by default because there's no one else. Like, mm-hmm. that, like which is not even that very, good. Yeah. Like, which is not even true at this point, I think, because there's like guys from the first round who are way better at this point. That's what I, mean. I was going to say is there's yeah. probably guys who think it's kind of the thing Betsy talks about where they're kind of a crapshoot after a certain point. Well, the, well, the draft, yeah. I mean, I feel like the draft at just about any, uh, in any league at anywhere is a, is a crapshoot, but oh, especially good that news, guys, by the way, good news, we're going up to 19 from the 20th pick. Just once. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Thanks, oh, uh, also, also big news. Uh, the Blackhawks have the number one pick. I don't know if anybody knew about that. Uh, first reported at secondcityhockey.com. Please credit us at all websites. God. But <laughs> Thank God it's not Lafreniere. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that poor bastard. Yeah, I mean, God, like, you know, would you rather have Lucas Reichel or Alexis Lafreniere? Um, I mean, I'm, never I, needs to be seen. I've watched, I've yeah. watched Reichel a lot more than Lafreniere, so I guess there's a little bit of bias there, but. I, I like mean, Lucas Reichel. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly him, like be something. I'd certainly rather have like the Stutzla, the number three pick, or Lucas Raymond, yeah. the number four pick. So yeah, that dude's a- sick. Anyway, uh, we do have a few Blackhawks topics we're going to get to. We're going to come back to some Bedard-related talk in a bit, mm. but the main thing I wanted to talk about as uh, we did two weeks ago, we talked a lot about the Blackhawks forwards, and tonight I wanted to just dabble on some of the defensemen and maybe the goalies, but. This again, like when we were discussing the forwards, there are so few guys that mean anything for the long term outlook on this team that uh, it, it might be a very quick discussion because there's just there's just not a lot here to be concerned about. So um, I don't know. Is is there anybody that had a defenseman in particular that they wanted to talk about? How much uh, longer do you think Seth Jones is going to be a part of this team? More more important question: How much longer is Caleb Jones going to be a part? <laughs> you know, it's so frustrating, Caleb, because every time I look, like he's not. I think he's probably a bottom pair guy. I think he could be a bottom pair guy on most teams, and it would. Well, be yeah, if they have four good defensemen. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he could play the the guy who yeah. doesn't get that much time goes out there because he's not inept. David Rundblad, sheltered starts. <laughs> yeah, but. Oh, My Rundland. problem no, with him no, is that bad. They keep, they keep, yeah, and so is Caleb Jones. They keep uh. if they keep all of these guys like that they have in there, they have too many vets for kids that could be playing. Like, just let them play. Yeah, <laughs> next it, it's we'll see who else uh, gets contracts because they do have some decisions to make. Um, Caleb Jones is a restricted free agent, so it's not guaranteed he'll be back. Ian Mitchell's a restricted free agent, and. Uh, yeah, he's Adelaide probably knows. gone. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, but you know, Andres England's a unrestricted free agent, probably gone. Jared Tenorti already got his one year deal, so he's <sighs> going to be back next season. How much he plays is up in the air. Um, Connor Murphy's around for three more seasons. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev might get bought out because thank God. Just, I mean, but to go back to Shay's initial question about Seth Jones, like, uh, unless they like LTIR him somehow. I don't see how, like, I, I feel like he's here. Like he's going to be yeah. on the team. Like, I don't, I don't see any way out from under that contract. So it almost becomes a uh, study in like how good, like how much uh, can they get out of him when he's into his thirties? Because he's still probably going to be on the roster at that time. You know, what? The, the hope is, so 
Zendo Chara had like a resurgence for Boston because McAvoy got assigned with him. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to hope that one of these kids comes in and has like helped Seth. Like it's not like Seth Jones was bad this past year. Um, once he got over that, like the splint off his hand, he was actually had a good season. Um, he yeah, he had some he as you know as as low of a bar as it is, like he was up there as one of the leading. Well, yeah, I shouldn't even say because it was such a low bar, but he was one of the leading point producers on the team by the end of the season. Yeah. But he had like 37 and I think he was second. I think they just have to yeah. figure out it's got to be, there's got to be a kid that comes in and does something with him. You know, like, I think that's the Maybe only Korchinski. Uh I feel like I, their playing styles would not mesh, but yeah, or, I, I, I want somebody who's hanging back. I want somebody who's hanging back. I will say Vlasic him for a little while and Vlasic was really good with him. Nolan Allen is a great choice because he's Allen. super defense first. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Uh, Rinzel, if Rinzel turns out. Yeah, uh, Rinzel, yeah, Rinzel, you can uh, pop, pop like right there. That's going to be a few four years or five years away. I would have yeah. loved to have seen Korczynski play with Prime Keith. Yeah. That, I, I'm like, well, you know, we can talk about this later in the summer. I'm, I'm going to be pounding the table, and Kevin Korczynski needs to be in the NHL next season, but we'll. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get Might as well get the ups and downs out of the way when he's uh, on a season that doesn't matter that much. Uh, yep. And and when you're also heavily featuring Kevin Bedard and you want him, or Connor Bedard, and you want uh, him to Kevin learn Bedard. with people. <laughs> Combine the two. Yeah. Love but it. I, you know, like, like if you got a, like, there are, there are, I, I assume Seth Jones and Connor Murphy are going to be on the team next season. And I, I think yes. it's fair to say Caleb Jones is going to be here too. So there's, wow. there's I'm, uh, I'm, question. I'm, go ahead, Mel. What the fuck's wrong with, with Connor Murphy? <sighs> he had a bad system. Play system. Play system. Like, I think I, I think it's first, I think it's the system he's playing in. Because the first year or I'm sorry, two years ago, I thought it was because McCabe was so bad. I think it's coaching. He was with Tenorti a lot this year, but if you look yeah, at his first Tenorti <laughs> actually did better at certain things than Connor Murphy did. Like if you look at their um, zone entry, not like their zone entry defense numbers, players chose to target Connor Murphy over Tenorti. That's weird. And were success, more successful at getting I, through him. I feel which is like weird as fuck. It's hard to like really, uh, the vacuum that the season was, it's hard to kind of put these concepts into, you yeah. know, like, like it doesn't really line up the way it would normally, but it's still like, damn, I want him to look good, like on the ice, and it was rough. Like, like there's a handful of veterans on the team that you thought it shouldn't look this bad, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, like, and and I think Connor Murphy is one of them. That like, it seems like, like you've seen better versions of Connor Murphy than we saw last season, uh, and even on some really, 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 really bad teams before. So I, um. Uh, and I think similar to the point about Seth Jones, like maybe pairing Connor Murphy with someone else who's better will bring a better performance out of him. But um, if you take Seth and Caleb Jones and Connor Murphy and Jared Tenorti, there's four players already. If I can count. Yeah, there's four players already. So we then, yeah. uh, and so then like, you've got a handful of spots open next season for some of the other guys coming up. Like I think Nolan Allen's probably due for a Rockford stint. Uh, but I, out of the, like the group of, Isaac Phillips and Alex Vlasic and Wyatt Kaiser and Korchinski and maybe even Philip Roos. I'm high on Kaiser. Well, I, 
All right. I have a very specific thing about Wyatt Kaiser that made me very happy and I'm, I'm excited to see him more. And it's, this is probably too specific to get this excited about it. But um, I wrote at some point in the season about there was like a three on it was a three on three and uh, it was Zaitsev and Mitchell and Joey Anderson back. And the three of them, you could tell there was no communication at all. And they completely fucked up the defense of it. And it ended up in a goal on and then they were like the very next game the first shift Wyatt Kaiser was out there there was a play developing and you could hear on the bro- on the broadcast you could hear him screaming at his teammates who to cover and you could see him pointing and like directing traffic and like that principle right there makes me want to watch more Wyatt Kaiser cuz that's a very that is my one of my biggest team sports pet peeves is when players do not communicate with each other especially when it's at the yeah. professional level that drives me up a goddamn wall I agree with that. I think that 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 tells you a lot right off the bat. I also think I, I think I like that he's a pretty good skater. Oh, he's a great skater. You yeah. know, like it's a refreshing to see on the blue line. And the the way he like he has a really he's like one of those skaters that's very agile for a defenseman. Um, one of my pet peeves of defensemen they've had for a while, and Connor Murphy is like this too. They don't turn very quickly, so if they get like they're going backwards and they can't turn around quick enough. Um, if a guy gets past them, um, like just it, it's, it's not just because they're big guys. Cause like Seabrook used to be able to do this very well. If you get to back around and then get your stick in the right place, you could still end the play. You know, it, it doesn't matter if they outskate you as long as you are smart. Kaiser is the type of skater that can turn on a dime. Um, Korchinski, Allen, there's a couple of them that are like, just really agile, not just fast, but agile. And I think that's something that has been missing from defensive prospects, if that makes sense. Both being able to skate forward and apply it offensively, but also be able to apply their skating properly in a defensive way. Yeah. Because like the, the idea of uh, being a fast skater, like it's, it's, more rare that you get to top end speed because there's only 200 feet and there's 10 people out there skating around. So there's not a lot of runway to get up to full speed, but the agility you were talking about to navigate the small spaces in the defensive zone or the neutral zone or whatever. um, I I think that has definitely been lacking for the last few years out of the Blackhawks and having that, having the ability to either play the puck out of trouble or just skate it out themselves um, instead of just grabbing it and shucking it up the wall or up the ice, like, like it's, it's a, when you can exit the, like, um, I'm sure the, the Betsy can chime in with the data, uh, data behind it. But when you exit the zone with the puck, it leads to better things in the neutral zone and then the offensive zone. So yeah. having defensemen who can like, all of that will lead to more puck possession, more shots, more chances, ultimately more goals, and then more wins. It all, it's all these little things add up in the long run. And it seems like the Blackhawks have prospects who can do those little things well and also the seattle thunderbirds are uh i think they're it's one one in their series yeah they're so they're still uh the the kevin korchinski and nolan allen show and colton doc show is still doing very well in the whl i wish they were playing together they don't they don't actually play that much together um on the same pairing um could be cool just to see they because on paper they sound like a good you got Korchinski, who more offense oriented. Nolan Allen, who's very defense first. Both excellent skaters, probably two of the best. Korchinski, probably the best. Allen's a very good skater, actually. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, puck handling—that's weird. 
But yeah, just as far as the uh, as far as like the uh, the actual Blackhawks from last season on the blue line go, like there's so little to worry about. But I, there's there's a lot of defensive prospects that are now at or very near knocking on the NHL door. And I, I, I I'm very intrigued by several of them. So uh, we'll the, the, see if this GM can get us some fucking defensemen. We're going <laughs> to we're going to find out. Uh, got, a couple, got a couple more players we're going to talk about. We're going to take take a quick break, uh, gather ourselves and then uh, talk about them a little bit more and then maybe some Bedard stuff too. Uh, so come on back for all of that. Waits and holds, has traffic to come to net. Korchinski shoots, scores! And Korchinski is tied it with traffic in front of Dylan Durand. And he gets another big goal. And Korchinski with a great wheel and wide fires. He scores. Golden pass near side four. Kelowna Rocket four. Campbell Novak can't clear. Kempton could. Korchinski is shot. He'll score. It's road for if they were winning so many hockey games that they didn't even clean their jerseys. Puck back out to the blue line. Korchinski moving in. Comes three left circle shoots and scores. No one picked him up. Korchinski just walked right in. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, as promised before the break, we wanted to talk about a few more defensemen and one in particular that I wanted to highlight. Uh, and again, it's it's a very specific play and it's kind of similar to what Wyatt Kaiser did. But I think uh, Isaac Phillips scored, I think, his first NHL goal this season. Or maybe it was the only goal he had this season at the NHL level. But there was it was a very specific play where Phillips, he looked up, he saw there was an opening and he started bark. Whoever had the puck on the boards at the blue line started barking at him, was tapping his stick, and then got the pass, corralled it, took the shot, and scored. And just that little thing of a like having the confidence to, like, or having the like IQ to read the play, and then the confidence to call for the puck, and then the skill to turn that play into a goal. Like all of that was just like, like I I want to see more of that. So I'm also I very intrigued by Isaac Phillips again. Maybe putting too much into a very small specific sample, but. It is what it is. Point made, but maybe when you get to the NHL level, don't tap your stick on the ice. Well, but he but he tapped his stick and also like yelled out loud. Like you could hear him calling for okay. the pass. I, I, I get very annoyed by the tapping of the stick too because everybody well, has a stick. He's I don't care about words. that, but the, his teammates do. <laughs> and that was his first and the only goal of his NHL career so far. So Fair again, um, well, uh, like – I think Isaac Phillips is in a similar boat as um, a lot of these other players that I don't think there are, you know, we're not looking at the next Duncan Keith or anything like that, but like there's, it seems like there are several prospects who could be legitimate NHL level defensemen for the next 10 years out of this group. And uh, I think, I don't think we've been able to say that for a while now. So that's encouraging. The quantity universe, (laughs) the quantity strategy. Yeah, well, they've got, yeah. There's so many prospects, and I, I, I wonder. I remember having this thought recently that like because when like the last group, um, you know, they got Keith and Seabrook so early, and then they added the Fords later. Like maybe that was the principle here, as they're like, we're just going to get all these as many defensive prospects as we can because they take a little bit longer, uh, to develop and figure things out at the NHL level, traditionally speaking. And then, and now they're going to go get all the Fords. Like it kind of like started with a transition last year. And then this year, it, it's like, obviously they're getting one pretty good Ford at the top of the draft. Uh, but then I feel like at 19, it's probably going to be another Ford. I don't necessarily like the idea of drafting, drafting for need in the NHL. 
because like these guys usually are going to take a few years anyway, so your needs might change in a few and years. Half of them don't crack the yeah. league anyway. Yeah. So I'm more of a best, just like get the best talent available wherever they are. But I, if they, if there was a tie, they, I feels like they might be leaning forward for the, for this draft. So I don't, I don't think they were drafting defensemen first and then forward second. They, yeah. very, Bowman maybe, very maybe that's just started, how it, maybe that's just how it happened. Yeah. Cause Bowman very clearly started drafting quantity of defensemen after 2000, like the 2017 draft after the sweep. Okay. Um, it's why I keep in every, uh, article I do and I'm like and this is how many defensemen they've done since 2017 <laughs> is because of that because it's it's Winnie like that was the first draft he took more than like half of his picks were defensemen so and, and and these guys are all like a lot of these names are saying were to your point like later down in the draft like Vlasic's in the second round but Phillips is in the fifth Kaiser's in the third uh, Nolan Allen's the last pick of the first round uh, Ethan Del Mastro's a fourth rounder so they're like they're they could have well, like we'll see how these guys develop, but it seems like there were players. Um, they might have found some bargains in the later rounds, which is why they were so good fifteen years ago, because they were finding players in later rounds, not just the number one and number three pick. Yeah, I mean they got pretty lucky with a lot of those late ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean they got Dustin Bufflin in a round that doesn't exist anymore. So there you go. Um <laughs> There's one, uh, the only other player, main other defenseman we wanted to highlight, and uh, Betsy, you wrote about him, so I'll let you talk about him briefly, was uh, Philip Roos, who, I, well, I'll I just, just, go I ahead. I was going to say, so the Blackhawks have done a very good job of scouting Europe yes. for many years, and Roos yes. is the same type of player that they have been scouting over there, which is, other than maybe like Panarin, um, most of their picks are good NHL players, but not necessarily like great NHL players, but they all go on and do well outside of the Blackhawks. Two of them have won cups, um, Kempney and, uh, Jan Ruda. Ruda. Yeah. Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda, um, Jan Ruda was kind of bad when he was a Hawk though. <laughs> oh, but he did. He didn't, he didn't look great, but the minute you put him on a better team with a yep. good, like, so, <laughs> Roos had like he's just a weird underdog. The problem with him because he he skates well, he defends pretty well. He was on the top pairing in the Swedish top league, so he has to be a decent defender to play at that level in those minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he showed like. Can you even remember what he did in the NHL last year? I can't. No, I I just remember like it was all in like the first two months of the season and there was like especially in like october there was a lot of like this guy like looks like he might be pretty decent like like a a decent nhl level defenseman and i'd be intrigued to see more of him but then like by christmas i think he was down in the ahl and that's where he stayed the rest of the year yeah i had to go back and watch games from october and november to write about him because i was like i forgot i was like trying i was trying to disconnect what i've seen of him in rockford from what I saw of him in the NHL. Um, obviously I let Rockford, like I mentioned stuff he did in Rockford too, but um, he reminds me of those types of players that they've, like the, the two defensemen, he's like a mix between Ruda, Ruda and um, Kempney where like he probably, if he was on a good team would be good. His problem is that does he stand out from any of the other prospects? Not necessarily. Is he better than some of the regulars? Probably. Um, 
I mean, he's probably better than Tenorti. Uh, he might be as good or better than Caleb Jones. Oh, um, he's got to be better than, better than Caleb Jones. Um, but he's 24. So and his brother's not on the team. So yeah, so he's he's already older, and they might not want to invest as much. Yeah, uh, there's always time. So I mean, it, we'll have to wait and see. But I I feel like his time isn't unless he like comes out like swinging. I don't know if he'll make the team or go far in the Blackhawks organization. But he's a black horse. I think he's the black horse candidate for dark horse candidate. Dark horse. Yes. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Finally, the black horse. <laughs> I don't even know why. I, I I have nothing else to add to that. Um, the the only uh, the only other position we haven't really talked about is goalie. And uh, I like there's there's not really much at anything to say. They're like Peter Mraz is going to be back next season because of his contract, and he's just here because they have to have a goalie. Uh, Alex Stalock. Uh, did his damnedest to ruin the the plan as as we put with the the TM symbol all season uh, and was unsuccessful. But Alex Stalock seemed like a uh, like seemed like an enjoyable dude. He was in, an interesting person to watch because of his high wire acts in and mostly out of the crease. And he got nominated for the Masters in because of all the shit he's dealt with in his career the last few years health wise. Hopefully he wins it. Wish him the best. Probably not going to be on the Blackhawks anymore. Um, and no, then he's, every- uh, he's he's too good to be a Blackhawk again. Yeah, well, I was well, going to say he's pretty good. Yeah, he well he had a good season, and and uh, the biggest knock on him is health, is that he's had uh, he's just been hasn't been able to stay in the lineup in his career, which is probably why the Blackhawks weren't able to trade him at the deadline, like they. Uh, like you seem like they would have wanted to, but um, it all worked out in the end, I guess. I guess the, the plan worked, even if the plan was weird to begin with. But um, the only other player that is worth mentioning in this discussion is Arvid Soderblom, who actually just signed a two year contract extension for like just under a million. So he's going to be around for two more seasons. But um, from a Chicago perspective, I don't know if he played enough to warrant too much of a discussion because it's such a small sample. He looked good at times. He looked like a uh, young goalie at other times. So uh, we'll, we'll probably see a lot more of him next season. And, and that's all yes. I got. And I, I know we, we talked, I think Betsy talked about when he got sent back down to Rockford initially from Chicago, uh, he had a really, really bad stretch, but then he figured it out by the end of the season. Right. Yeah. And he, in the playoffs, I think he only let in one really bad goal. His numbers weren't great, but he only let in one bad goal. The rest of them were, Texas just being better because he was mm-hmm. great in the Iowa series. It's just Texas was better than Rockford. Um, he did. There was one goal where he probably was like, well, that sucked. <laughs> um, but, but only really that one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we'll find out a lot more about Soda Bob next season because there's um, if he and Mrazek are going to be the platoon, at least to start the season or so it would seem um, unless they bring in another goalie. Uh, I imagine they're going to give uh sort of a decent look next season because they want to know what they have with him. And Drew Camesso's probably are, I, I think on his way to Rockford next season. So the net in Rockford will be may hopefully I, I hopefully Drew Camesso comes in and takes over the number one role in Rockford and stays there for a couple seasons and gets some seasoning uh, for himself while uh soda bombs up at the NHL level. Um, so I, I think that is like pretty much for the most part, like the entire recap of everything we needed to talk about from the last Blackhawk season. And thank God we don't have to reference it ever again, because that was miserable. 
Um, since then, though, uh, as again, first reported in the first half of this podcast, uh, the Blackhawks won the draft lottery last Monday. So they're getting Connor Bedard. We talked about this a ton last week, and I think we were in there was a, just like a combination of shock and joy and exhilaration and relief and all these other emotions that we may not have quite gathered our thoughts to be able to look at the big picture as much as we wanted to. But I did want to take a moment and do that here because that T word uh, that has been flung around these parts, it, it kind of comes up again now with an eye towards next season. So I'm going to swing this to Shay first because uh, Shay's been the big uh, – beating the drum, uh, the, the tank commander, if you will. And I want to know what your thoughts are about next season in regards to that. Well, thank you so much. I, I actually <laughs> defer my role as tank commander to Caleb Jones, but I appreciate, <laughs> okay. uh, I appreciate the recognition. Um, I don't think you can tank. I, I, don't, I don't think you can purposefully lose well, anymore yeah. okay. now that you have a player like Connor Bedard. However, that doesn't mean that the Blackhawks aren't going to be unintentionally Bad because yeah. look at it, look at look at look at the team around Connor Bedard next season and like you're going to bring in an infusion of youth like I think Korchinski should probably be in the NHL next season um, but you don't have much else especially if you plan to sell players whatever players you do have at the deadline mm-hmm. there there's just not there's not enough there. And uh, I also don't personally, I don't think this team is going to be successful under Luke Richardson. I don't think he's the coach oh. when, when they're <laughs> well, I don't, think, I don't think he's the coach when, let, they're, when they're in the playoffs. But I, I don't again, I don't think you're I don't think your intention. I don't think they're intentionally losing. But if they're back in the in the draft lottery, if they're a top five team in the draft lottery next season for Mac, I don't think that's unpredicted yeah it's it's entirely possible that they're like get up to like 28th in the in the standings by the end of the season next year like i'm glad you because uh like i feel like all these terms of tanking and rebuilding get used almost interchangeably but i feel like they are different concepts and the word you use of with tanking is perfect purposefully losing like the way yes. I would describe it is if Alex to was on the roster right now, they would not be trading him away for draft picks because that is tanking, which is what they did last year for uh, last summer for the purposes of the prior season. Now it's more like now you're kind of going forward with like, it's more about uh, acquisition and development. I think than necessarily plummeting down to the bottom of the standings um, that like, I think like the ideal scenario for next season for me would be that the Blackhawks don't end up in the draft lottery because guys like Korchinski and Bedard and Soderblom and, and some of the other young guys come up and play so well that they sneak in as like the A seed in the West. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I that think is, that's highly unlikely. I, I do too. Not, good. not a good idea. I think well, – um, Well, hang on, hang on. Why would you say that? Because that's – because my my thing, Betsy, would be that the the loss of draft capital by going into the playoffs would be offset by how much uh, by what you discover from the players that you that carry you there. Not and I'm not saying like Tyler Johnson has a hundred point season. I'm saying like because young players come up and be, oh, they're all really good. I'm gonna go to the Avs. Perfect example. Um, the Avs had that one 
TDO ridden season. They got into the playoffs and then they got like wiped. Didn't get back into a successful. It took them another, what, six seasons after that, five, five seasons after that to get back up there again. Was that experience worth it? Them losing years of being able to draft top players? I don't think so. Like, there's so many. I mean, I just don't think the Blackhawks prospect pool and development, because so many of their forwards are young. We've got defensemen impacting. We just don't know yet if they're going to be good. We we still have more coming. Um, the, that playoff experience in that first year is going to be necessary for their growth. They can wait a year. They can wait okay. another year. Let them let them get. Look at right after McDavid was drafted by the Oilers. They picked uh, – fourth they finished second to last but i think they got jumped um uh in the lottery yeah they didn't draft well but well that's (laughs) yeah that's 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 a different topic but they need to it's not that teams have to be built on top round picks it's just that if they could get another top five pick next year that would be ideal because next year's draft has some solid top five kids. I, they're not as good as this year. They The top mm. two are really good. Um, they'd probably be in the mix for the top five of this year after the first, like, after Bedard and probably after Carlson. And okay. it's hard It's hard to gauge because it, you're talking about 16 yeah. versus almost 18-year-olds, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, there's, there's not a Connor Bedard in next year's draft, and there may not even be an Adam Fantilli, but after that, like, it gets – it seems like it's a little bit more of a closer comparison in there. Yeah. And so if you could get a top five of those kids, that's yeah slightly better odds that you're going to find. Cause again, the Avs had how many picks you just, we just talked about the devils. The devils <laughs> had so many top picks um, over yeah. like in recent memory. And it's not, again, not all that doesn't always work. The Oilers had a bazillion top picks and it didn't work, but <laughs> Um, the Blackhawks were so depleted for so long, let them get a little bit more quality in addition to their quantity, because they've got so many, so many picks over the next few drafts that they could pick up some quality. Hopefully that will edge them a little bit closer and they can start trading off those picks down the line, um, to build better. That's my opinion. Okay. I want to just go go ahead, Mill. I just wanted to toss one quick thing out there. I agree. Um, I think I was really shocked when I saw how many people jumped on season tickets. Um, <laughs> they said that the Hawks made something like two million in new season it, ticket I think holders. Five million. Yeah, it was two million right, the right. first night, like two, and then like a the couple next, days later, it was up to five. Right, I spent the first night. Yeah, like that. In the first that, twelve hours, they did five point two. Okay, so <laughs> my thing is, it's not necessarily a bad investment per se down the line, but I think that. A lot of people, probably people who don't listen to this podcast or read the site, more like casual viewers, remember Taves and Kane coming up and then the team winning right away. And this goes back to what Dave said in the first half, where there's so many seeds that were planted before they got drafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's I think people are going to be a little bit disappointed with the results of the team. Not necessarily Bedard, like he might be a lot of fun, but I don't think it's going to be like, oh, we're sniffing the playoffs. Like, 
this is a uh, this is tough. Like they still have yeah. a lot of work to do. Yeah, I don't. I like. I'm going to be intrigued to watch that next season because I think like the majority of people that I know, like like ev- everyone that like visits and reads our site, like it seems like there's a general understanding that they're pro- they're probably not going to take a very big step forward next season. Like they might get no. up into like the like. 25 range out of the 32 teams in the draft. Like that might be the, the ceiling of where they end up. Um, I just don't know, like to like the mills point about like the more casual fans, like that may not be as deeper into the nuances of the sport. Like I, I I'm interested to see like what the mood is around the team by like December and January. And if like the Bedard novelty wears off and then it comes back to like, Oh, this team sucks again. But like, that's, they're still, it feels like they're going to be more entertaining to watch next season. It's not going to be as soul crushing as the last season was because you're going to have young player, more young players to watch more than just like Lucas Reichel and Phil Kurashev. Um, So uh, I think they're going to be more interesting, but they n- may not necessarily be that much better. And I think that's, um, that's going to be a hard like messaging thing from the front office to be like, like this is, this was expected. Like we're, we understand that this is uh, we know that this is a long term thing. I don't know how well that's going to get communicated to everybody else, because I don't think everybody else understands how big of a, like even me. I get like I, the conversation we had 10 minutes ago, like I was already still like, well, hey, if everything goes right, maybe they end up as like the number eight seed and sneak into the playoffs. Well, like that's I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's other people who have gone way beyond that. So, well, the problem for the casual viewer, too, is so many people love like the NBA or the NFL. And in the NBA, yeah. like whatever the Bedard equivalent is, does make a huge difference right away in most cases. Yeah. And football can, like if it's a quarterback or whatever. So um, I just think that a lot of people, again, not necessarily people who read our site, but no, well, they're the finest in, people in the world, Mill. No, just who just are, the smartest, just, but, just incredible. No, but I mean <laughs> this because the people who read our site are like, what they watched games last year. Yeah. I guarantee yeah. you there are people who bought season tickets who didn't watch a single fucking game last year. And I don't yeah. blame them, but well, you know, well, this, this gets into my other, uh, my other sports, uh, the, uh, uh, intrigue about like people are just there. Cause it's going to be an event again, not necessarily because they are there to watch the Blackhawks. They're just there. Cause it's going to be the cool new place again, but we'll that's, we'll go down that road later. Nah, the cool uh, new place is going to be in Arlington. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, I think uh, no that and that's actually where the I swear to God the, the Hawks next Winter Classic game will be at that new Bear Stadium in Arlington. Yeah, so will WrestleMania, the yeah. Super Bowl, and all the out. Rolling Stones when they're like ninety five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just overall, like I like I'm, uh, I, I think the the number that key I don't even know where this five year rebuild thing got started. I don't even know how that became a number that was like bandied about. I also David, don't. Davidson I, said something about it. Since, I think, I think he five said year it. plan. What is it? Don't die. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Bill. Big daddy, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, well done. Uh, but yeah, it's like, and, and I don't, that's such a vague term because I don't know when that five year clock started. I don't know what rebuild, like, does that mean five years before they're going to be back in the playoffs? Does that mean five years before a playoff series win? five years before a cup win. Like I don't, that's such a vague term. And, and like, I, I don't, um, cause if it takes them five years from this to make the playoffs, that seems like that would be a problem for me. But, um, five years to be like a legitimate, good contending NHL team. Like, I guess I could see that. Um, but 
I don't know. I, I'm still like, I, uh, I still am so much more excited about the future of the Blackhawks today than I was last weekend before the draft lottery, because they're getting the, the piece that they haven't had since Patrick Kane started on the downside of his career. They haven't I will had say, that. say one thing, Dave, I think that the when guys that work for teams give out those kind of timelines, I think they try to make it longer than it actually might be. <laughs> a, uh, cause they, a little job preservation. Well, Theo Epstein, who I actually trust because he's rebuilt two baseball teams and got them to world series. Uh, he literally said the Cubs wouldn't even compete in the playoffs till 17. And by 17, they're on the de- like their decline. They were so, by 17. They had this se- They won it in 16. So yeah. And they, they, yeah. they went to the, the, Chile championship in 15. So it's like now baseball is a different sport, but again, I just think these guys tend to, I don't know they, what Rick Hahn well, said, but better. he gave out some number two. Oh, you know? I don't want to, we don't want to talk about Rick. It's Hahn. smart to plan for taking five. Like, like it's, it's, it's smart. To it's plan better. It it's better way. to under, yeah. uh, it's better to under promise and over deliver mm-hmm. than the other. Plus it makes around. you look better if you're better. Yes. Quicker. Absolutely. I guess I was gonna like I had mentioned in our our break that like the team that you don't want to be is the Rangers, um, who were they declared they were going to be rebuilding, and they were they were the, the Bowman Blackhawks. They declared <laughs> they were rebuilding, and then literally for the Rangers, signed like a like, bunch of fucking guys. Yeah, it was like a, a couple years later, and the Blackhawks it was literally like two point two seconds. Was like <laughs> let us, you know get flurry and get seth jones and pull on all these McCabe people like, and you're like what's happening here? that's not that wasn't the plan um so sticking to the plan even though they did they, they, there's an obvious boost to build around now so sticking to the plan of let's let these guys develop properly let's not rush anybody um be patient <laughs> continue to yeah, draft stop well. fucking up your prospect <laughs> Yeah, I like I think I think the like for me on it, like it's even less about where they finish in the standings. And it's more about by the end of next season, like I, I I'm I like it's this feels like a crazy assumption to make. But I'm already assuming that Connor Bedard will live up to the billing next season. It's just more about I would feel bet like regardless of where they finish in the standings, I want like let's say like three, maybe four other prospects who look the part by the end of next season. And like, maybe they don't break camp with the team. Maybe they spend the first few months in Rockford and then get called up in the middle of the season. But by the end, by this time next year, I would like to be talking about more than just Connor Bedard as like a long-term as a guy who, you know, will be around for the long-term, like whether that's Kaiser or Reichel or Del Mastro, whoever it is, that's, that's what success next season looks like for me. Is, is Bedard, known prospect guy. development Korchinski Korchinski. Yeah. Cause that, that, that is the name that is the, like uh, someone with the talent of kind of Bedard, like he will have areas where he will need to improve, but doesn't need a ton of development to become an NHL player. Cause he's probably already NHL caliber already, which again is crazy to say, cause he's not even 18 years old, but that's, that's the not even drafted of, yet. Not even drafted yet. Uh, but that's a level of talent everybody tells us we're that is on his way to Chicago. He won't even be eighteen when he's drafted. Yeah, let's. All right, all right. We. <laughs> this is yeah. It's bad. Somebody was saying what uh, he was on. How old was he when Taves was drafted? 
he would have been one. He was he was drafted the same year that Sidney Crosby came into the league. <laughs> no, or no, no, no. Same year Sidney Crosby was drafted. No, I th- I think he I don't think he was alive when he was, Sidney Crosby he was born was drafted. In, he, he no, he was born in two thousand five. Yeah, he was born in two thousand five. So yeah, he's oh. he's he's younger. When was the draft in two thousand and five? Because he was born July seventeenth. So if it I, was before I, that, he was not they, alive. It was probably it's probably in late he's, June. He's slightly older than the black than the White Sox uh, World Series ring. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake! All right, we can stop doing this. But, but just um, the the point the I think the point I was trying to get to is just that the the development of all the prospects around Connor Bedard, so that the Blackhawks do not become the next Edmonton Oilers and lose two inferior teams in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, n- nothing, Shay. I was really trying that. I said I said lose two inferior teams in the second so the Blackhawks don't become the Oilers and lose two inferior teams in the second round of the playoffs. Oh, huh. I don't <laughs> remember the last time the, the Oilers <laughs> lost to an inferior team in the, I don't in remember the second that. round of the playoffs. It was playoffs. like the last night, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I think that was the superior team you're thinking about. I- I was thinking. I was thinking the 2020 bubble when they lost to the Hawks in the qualifiers. There you go. But that was in the second round. Hey, that was yeah. shit on that Hawks team. Mike King, Corey Crawford carried us in that series. Where you know what? Like I, I, every now and then they show a highlight from that year, and just like just watching any sports and seeing the empty stadium, and it's just, it's so. It's so weird. It's just like how did that? Like how did that happen? That's just it, it, like in hindsight. It is such a bonkers thing that everybody went through. Like we all, like everybody in the world went through it at the same time in varying stages. But I, I still like blown away. Like we we watched playoff hockey. They were in the bubble. They had no fans. They pumped in crowd noise. And like and, and like watching the NHL playoffs now, where the stadiums are going ape shit every night. Like how, like how did that even qualify to as be playoff fair, hockey? The the year that Bedard was born, the Hawks were pumping in crowd noise. <laughs> okay. I'm not no, joking. No, they weren't because they canceled that fucking season. No. I'm still well, mad about the it. The 05 06 season. They they canceled 04 05 because that was right. my senior I, year. That was my senior year of high school. Yeah. I graduated high school before Connor Bedard was born. That's I remember that Connor Bedard wasn't alive during that season. Yeah. But I just mean like the 05 06 season. Yeah. There was. Uh, that was the rule change with the two line pass and that the Hawks built the slowest fucking team on ice. Yeah. And they ended up, I think fifth in the fifth from the bottom of the standings and they won the draft lottery and got Patrick Kane. So it all worked yeah. out. In the long no, run. that was the next year they got Kane. Oh, five. Oh, yeah, six, they would have draft. Okay. They would have drafted tapes. Okay. But the funny thing is the blues were still fucking worse. <laughs> I love memory lane sometimes. Well, Remember when the blues were worse than the Blackhawks. What's that? Remember when the Blues were worse than the Blackhawks? Yeah, but like even when the Hawks were shitty, the Blues were worse. It was great. Yeah, and uh, well, uh, and and that uh, that script I feel like is about to be flipped in the next few seasons here. So we're we're excited. The Blues had no excuse with that roster to be as bad as they were. <laughs> yeah, I know it was great, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, we have to maintain our mantle as the best food theme po- hot food themed hockey podcast on the internet. Cause I don't think we did one last week because of the Bedar Bedarda Palooza we were in the middle of. So uh, really quick, uh, really quick here. I just, uh, it was mainly built around. Uh, I had a, a food experience this weekend that I had never done before. And I'm a little upset that I didn't do it before. Cause it was so good. It was pizza with sausage and jardinera. 
Have oh, you come ever on, Dave. You haven't done that before? Top? No! I never thought of Jardinera as a pizza topping. I just mm. think of it with my really? beef sandwiches. What? You, are you not a jalapeno pizza person? Not really. What is this? God. Wait. What are, you not, are you not familiar with Jardinera? I don't think so. This is so a, good. This is a very Chicago thing, and it might be a greater Midwest thing. Um, according to Wikipedia, it's yeah, we a, have Dick because Jardinera at the grocery store. Yeah, it's a, it's an Italian relish of pickled vegetables in vinegar or oil. It can be spicy. It's um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Um, I don't know, but I had it on pizza this weekend, and I ah Jardinera. And I uh, I just I feel like uh, it's opened an entirely new world to me. Of uh, Italian sausage and jardinera on a pizza, it's so fucking good! Holy, like just blew my yeah. mind at how good. I mean, not to be fair, like I was already a couple beers in. I'd watched. I uh, was at the Chicago Fire game, and then we went to this bar. And so there's Luke. no there's no need to explain it. I've I've been a pepperoni and jalapeno pizza person forever. See, I I've never. I been... don't like peppers on my pizza. Betsy, you're going to come to Chicago and we're going to introduce you. It's a texture thing. Have you guys never had like um, where you're like something could probably taste good, but you just you don't like it because of texture? Coconut. Interesting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very. Yeah, I could see that. Coconut not Mm. cooked enough, but uh, it's the same. I can't eat um, like lettuce is another thing on sandwiches. I don't know why. I just don't, I do not like the crunch of it, which is weird because I can totally eat lettuce wraps. You I like don't salad? Know, I don't know. Yeah, I can eat salad. Uh, but we've had, we've had this discussion where I don't think salad is like a real meal. It's only a side or a Are starter. you bringing me the food my food eats? <laughs> you know, if I order, if I order Aurelio's, my go-to is to get Jardinera. Uh, and then they also have roasted red pepper and uh, garlic. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I smell I, like a dumpster after. Like, I get, how <laughs> how soft are these? Like, are they really soft? Because if it, they're really yeah, soft, then I can't tell that they're there. No, they're they're very I, I soft. I can go on my yeah. fridge and take a picture for you. I have a ton. Yeah, of I said I sent Betsy the Wikipedia entry, and it looks like I mean, it looks like carrots and uh, cauliflower. It's a that's a very bad picture. There's like they're, olives and they're, yeah, like they're, they're cooked in a way that they're very soft. So it's um okay. Then maybe I can handle. Yeah, it. I don't. Oh, they're like, not. Cr- they're not crunchy. Whenever like people get like certain veggie pizzas, um, I'll occasionally bite into something that hasn't softened enough, and I'll be like, "That's it for me. I don't want veggies ever again on my." Pizza. Um, <laughs> it's not like a whole because it's all chopped up. It's not like a pickle where it's got a crunch. Okay, it's all very tiny pieces. It's more of like yeah, a spread. It's, it's it's very finely finely. It's like almost diced. Almost. I mean, I'll put this shit on like. Like a meatball sauce. I put that shit on everything. I do. No, my brother actually does. And this might also oh. be a, a European thing, though. Oh, uh, that's yeah. There's that. I have I a mean, jar of is... roasted red peppers on my desk right now, just so you guys know. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Um, I think the the moral of the story for me was just that. Like, usually, if I get pizza, it's going to be sausage or pe- usually sausage. I I don't mind pepperoni and put them both together and it's very like those are all very good things for me. I tend to stick to those. I don't get too adventurous with my pizza toppings because I just I have I have what I like and it's it's good and I enjoy it. But somebody suggested uh, sausage and jardinera on Saturday. I'm like hell yeah, let's do it. Why not? And I was uh, I had a very good reward at the end of that ex- exploration. And now I feel like I just need to get more adventurous with pizza toppings. 
Hey, where did we get pizza from at your place for the pay-per-view that one time? Um, I can't remember. Might have been might have been Squeegee's Pizza. Yeah, yeah I think it was Squeegee's. Squeegee. I haven't had Squeegee's in a Squeegee minute. See if they offer it. It'd be good on their pizza. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other thing is not every topping is good on every type of pizza. There, There's a – I don't know what the, the calculus is there, but yeah. Tavern cut, though. So, I mean, so, uh, so, I mean, it's not really a take. It's more just a an encouragement to all the listeners to uh, branch out. The, expand your pizza topping horizons if you have not done so already, and tell me I'm an idiot for not doing it before. There you go. Thank you for coming. I, I, I don't think you're an idiot. I just think <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy okay. you discovered it. Th- thanks, thanks, Mo. I appreciate that. It's delicious. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I was, uh, as we've been talking. I, I already ate dinner, but I want to go order this pizza now. So. Me too. I'll go in half. <laughs> All right. I'll, me- I'll meet you there. Well, I think, uh, unless there's any other final thoughts, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Anything else? Good night. Go ahead. Good night. Go night. Whatever. I mean, I, I, it's more I just don't want Dallas to win just because I'm annoyed by just yeah, Dallas. So go night. I'm on the Florida train. I, I am too. I, I think – well, no, I take that back. Uh, it's Carolina. I, I kind of – Whoever parts, wins. Parts Tavo. Uh, part is I really like Rod Brindamore a lot. And I, I think I would like Same. to see him be successful because I think I think he I think he uh, coaches his team to play a style of hockey that is fun and interesting. And I would like to see that win and become what more teams do, because that will make hockey more fun and more interesting. I agree. I'm to a Brenda Moore enjoyer. There we go. Anything else, Betsy? Do you have any other final thoughts? Do you want to pick a Stanley Cup winner right now? Uh, I'm rooting for the Canes, but I'm not going to pick. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't I don't either. know who could win. These are all. <laughs> Random. Yeah, I, I think I think it was more. It wasn't like picking a winner. It was picking where our 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 uh, bandwagon jumping is at the moment. I like your everybody's life. here just to hurt my heart. It's just <laughs> no. It's I, all I, good. It's all. If it makes you feel better, I think Vegas has a really good chance. I I um, I don't know how to tell you. Like I don't know how to pick a favorite out of any of these teams that are left. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. And yet, all of you chose against my Knights. No, I just I just really like Carolina. Oh, I didn't choose against the Knights. I'm just talking about in the East. I didn't say the Knights <laughs> aren't going to the final. I yeah. just yeah, I was gonna say I just like Carolina. <laughs> I, I Shay, I think Vegas is going to the final. Uh and we'll see what happens against Carolina or Florida, but I don't think Dallas or Seattle is going to beat them. Although my betting group chat, they all won on Vegas last night, so they're all like hyped, but then they all also said that they're crackheads <laughs> with a K. So if it's oh, the two okay. expansion I teams, I this you. could get real interesting. I see, I see what they did there. Although I think I'm loving it. I, I, yeah, I, I, looking at the score right now, I think Dallas has it. Good run for the Kraken, especially the land of misfit toys. <laughs> yeah. They're only up by one, but the Kraken have only generated mm-hmm. 15 shots in 40 minutes of hockey. Yeah, to beat Jake Andrew, you have to put on like 50 shots, which Vegas can do. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting to watch for sure for the rest of the way. Well, then I think that's going to do it for this edition of Musings on Madison. And I, I should have done this at the very beginning. But uh, so after Monday, last Monday, we rattled out our subscription tiers for uh, how Second City Hockey is going to operate in the future as we are now a fully independent reader supported outlet. Um, all the people who signed up within the last week, you have my eternal gratitude. Thank you so much. Uh, the support we've gotten already is overwhelming. And uh, I'm floored by it because there's not even going to be hockey 
for the Blackhawks for five months. But thank you for everyone who has signed up. If you would like to sign up, head over to secondcityhockey.com. At the very bottom of the page, you can click the sign up button or there's going to be links and buttons throughout articles to guide you to where it is for to, to sign up. There's a $5 tier. There's a $10 tier. It's the Corey Crawford tier. Or the Connor Bedard tier for the annual cost. You get a little discount if you sign up for the year. Um, so thanks again to everyone who has done that. And, and uh, we're going to have the the stuff that's going to be exclusive content will uh, start going active at the end of this season when the Stanley Cup playoffs end. Um, but check out the website for all the details on that. And uh, thank you to everyone who signed up. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. We got plenty more coming your way through the rest of this offseason and with the draft coming up soon. Um, Shay is on Twitter at your host's witness. Mills at Mill182. Betsy's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is, of course, the blue and wall of text. And I'm at DML57. Uh, the main account is 2ND City Hockey, the website secondcityhockey.com. We'll see you there in some of the game threads, and uh, we'll see you here next week. Yeah.